0: Working at the Messianic Jewish Synagogue on Saturday and being an Evangelical Christian Pastor at church on Sunday. What do you do when you're one of five people on the teaching team and you have to arm wrestle for the best passages? Lip-syncing to Tony Campolo teaching tapes. When the New Testament alludes to the Old Testament, is it an intertext, an allusion, or a rames? or all three? Living your preaching life according to the motto, The mind can't handle what the seat can't endure. In this episode of The Teaching Pastor, we have a conversation with Matt Davis, marriage and family pastor at Calvary Church, Santa Ana. Hey everyone, welcome to The Teaching Pastor podcast. Uh, We are here in the bomb shelter basement of Calvary Church, Santa Ana, and I am with Matt Davis. How are you doing, Matt? I'm doing great. I feel safe here. Safe. <laughs> well, in the case of nuclear war, we will be protected. I think that's what this was built for. That, or youth ministry. Yes, Either way, it's the same. Teenagers that's, or nuclear that, holocaust. That, either way. Um, so, Matt, what's your role here at Calvary? Uh, currently, marriage
1: and family pastor, and I'm on the teaching team. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I get to oversee everything from nursery to high school, and parenting ministry, and then marriage from we want to be married to we don't want to be married.
0: Dang. Now that is a job description from we, is that how you describe it from the stage? Yeah, I think so. Sometimes. <laughs> I think people connect with that. I think they do. I mean, that is a, and that's a good description yeah. um, of just family life. Yeah. Um, so man, that is, that's fantastic. i there's going to be times in this interview where you're going to say something that's going to knock me back. That yeah. was one of them. So You can uh, always edit later. Right? I can always edit. I don't know. I'm not that good. I'm not that good yet. So, uh, so you work with um, someone we've talked to earlier, Eric Wakeling, yep. and um, with Dave Mitchell as a senior pastor, and you've gone through the succession process. Yep. So what's your role? What's going to change about your role in the succession plan and the new um, the new season at Calvary?
1: Uh, we're developing uh, an executive leadership team that's going to be steering vision and strategy. Where We're moving forward with that. So I get to be part of that team of six people and really get to kind of maintain uh, my current role and then just adding a little bit more okay. because i just wasn't busy enough so.
0: <laughs> perfect yeah. but you're going to stay on the teaching team right yeah. there's a, kind of a five-person teaching team yeah and uh, and how often are you moving into the pulpit or how often are you preaching uh on a yearly basis it's it's about once a
1: month i think it's like okay. 12 maybe 15 times it just depends on Someone's on sabbatical, I might cover something. like, But it's about once a month. I think that's probably my capacity with my other job responsibilities. Okay.
0: And are there other venues at Calvary that you are getting up and doing teaching message um, on kind of a regular basis? Or uh, how's that working? Yeah, I'm I'm a total pinball. Like on a Sunday
1: morning or we have like midweek studies, I could be doing anything from hanging out with like elementary students or middle school, high school to teaching a parenting series or a marriage communications class so yeah it's not it, I'm usually teaching somewhere once a week if it's you know not from the main stage
0: okay so and I guess one of the other questions since your job description is so moving in different directions and then you're in the pulpit that week yeah that changes the way your week looks right totally so how does that like how many hours are you carving out okay. like what does that look like spare time I <laughs> yeah it's I wish I had more time uh, because it's
1: it's always squeezed in yeah I think that that's the the piece that makes it hard um and so really like on preaching weeks like I'm preaching this Sunday okay um, my door's closed a lot more yeah and I'm just uh, off the grid a little bit more for my team so yeah it's it is a challenge and uh, but we do have kind of a long play process in going to it so the first time I'm looking at the passage is not happening this week. Uh, I've looked at this like three months ago. Okay, so with it,
0: the team, right? With the team. And alone. And alone. Yeah. So talk, I, we, we've heard a little bit about the process, but from your perspective, how is that process? Um, what's valuable about that process? Uh, where does it begin? How is it alone, but also team? So maybe talk a little bit about that.
1: Yeah, so the teaching team will get away um, what we call content brainstorm. And we're looking and we have like this really awesome fun sheet where we're looking and we have everything that we've taught like in the last 20 years and we've looked at here's our series, here's the books of the Bible and we're in some way just trying to systematically check those things off and go through it and have a good balance of, you know, narrative, gospel story, epistles. Old Testament, New Testament, and hopefully just, you know, cover the Bible sometime in our lifetime here. Yeah. Um, so that's that's our process. But to get away, we kind of talk and strategize on where we're going on the preaching piece. And then hopefully we're also getting some time to... We've divided it out on the calendar, and sometimes it's like... I. I love this passage, I want this passage and we arm wrestle for it um, to like I'm out of town this week and I can't take it. And so we're hopefully scheduled out like nine to 12 months ahead of time.
0: Now I talked with Eric about your Galatians um, series um, and we'll probably get a little bit into that. Um, but you're looking at a Luke series, right? Have yeah. you already done the work on that, um, the lead work on that, or are you still in the process of getting some of that done? Yeah, Mark is the series we're going to. Oh, Mark. To. Okay. So uh, and yeah, that'll
1: start in January, and we probably crack that open in the summer. I think is when we we decided let's go for the gospel let's just tell the story of jesus and we've had this succession season okay we've talked about leadership transition and it felt a lot more topical but we really yeah i think what we love is like let's just get into christology and let's talk through the gospels yeah no doubt no doubt
0: now you are um so here's one of the pieces that i love about you matt is that um, though you've been so active in the evangelical kind of non-denominational tradition which is what Calvary is a part of. But you're also um, very active in the Messianic movement and Messianic congregation. So um, maybe talk a little bit about that background, but also about how that comes to play in your reading of the New Testament. Well, New and Old Testament, but um, but let's just talk a little bit about your background in that. Like how, where does that come from and what has been your role there? Right. So. I'm Jewish, (laughs) and that happened
1: because both my parents are Jewish. Well, technically,
0: all you need is a mom, right? Yeah. If your mom's
1: Jewish, then you're Jewish. Yeah, it depends on who you talk to in the Jewish community. So some would say, yeah, it goes with the mother, and some would say it goes with the father. Um, But I got both, so we didn't have to worry about it. (laughs) I'm still waiting for my Ancestry.com kit to come okay. back, just for verification, but everyone who looks at me, they look at the nose and they say, you're definitely a Jew, so we're, we're okay there. Um, but I, I grew up, I, my first two years of life, uh, Calvary uh, Chapel, Costa Mesa, yeah. uh, my parents were part of something there called the Hebrew Christian Fellowship, and it grew to be a couple hundred people, and they got permission from Chuck Smith at the time, can we move this off and plant a Messianic Jewish congregation? where the aim and the thrust of the ministry is to reach out to Jewish people who had never set foot in the church. Mm-hmm. And so culturally, um, we want to make that make sense. So parts of the service are done in Hebrew. We, we have the ancient Hebrew prayers, the Shema, right, Deuteronomy mm-hmm. 6, and, and it's a place for you to be able to bar mitzvah your kids. So mm-hmm. it's, it's. It, I mean, we've all heard of like Jews for Jesus. It, it's essentially um, Jewish people who, I, I think the hang-up for a lot of Jewish people is, uh, if I give my life over to Jesus I abandon my Jewishness I'm no longer a Jew and honestly that's how the orthodox Jewish community views it that's how they would view me that I've sold out I'm no longer a Jew mm. I'm now a Christian and we have
0: this history between the church and the Jewish people the parting of the ways all the way back to the parting of the ways in the the, the late sec, the second century to out-and-out out anti-semitism sure. in um, in Europe. And, uh, yeah, the so, Crusades, yeah. uh, just pogroms
1: in Russia, the Inquisition. And right. even Jewish people today, they'll look at something like the Holocaust, and right. we know this is a different perspective, but they would say that Christians were the ones right. who were going to church on Sunday and, and killing Jews yeah. in the concentration camps on right. Monday. So, and, the, and the seeds of the Christian tradition enabled that. Absolutely. Right, right. So the cross is offensive, and so how do we actually get Jewish people to come to church and have it feel like it's culturally Jewish, that there is a Hebraic um, tone, even with the music, everything's in mm-hmm. E minor, and yes, we play <laughs> Hava Nagila there. Um, so that's that's what I grew up in really from like age two on, and was immersed in that. And so okay. that that is a lot that feeds into my perspective as just a human, follower of Jesus, but also
0: as a teacher. Okay, and so what the scriptures that are read at a messianic would you call it a synagogue style worship do you call it um, uh, temple synagogue like how what what do you refer to it as
1: yeah I think in America they mostly say it's a messianic congregation, congregation. or messianic synagogue okay and they would have messianic rabbis or messianic teachers and so they have their own yeshiva or like it's a it's a course that the rabbis would go through to become a rabbi right okay
0: yeah. well that's fantastic now how does that but you're standing on stage at a non-denominational Protestant church, right. Calvary Church, Santa Ana. Yeah. Um, and it definitely comes out in your teaching, but how, how does it come out? It, if people listen to your sermons, like how would they, like your last, uh, I was listening to your, your Galatians sermon. You're talking about Moils and, uh-huh. and circumcision, which is great. How does it affect the way you're reading scripture, like Jewish backgrounds? Um, how's, that, how's that coming out?
1: I've become comfortable with the fact that I'm an anomaly. So all of the Christians, the Gentiles here at the church, they say, you're a pastor, but you're Jewish. What what do we do with that? And then all of my Jewish friends, they look at me and they say, you're Jewish, but you're a pastor. And it's interesting because everything's flip-flopped. You look at Acts 15, and the council drew. What are we? The Jews were asking the question, "What are we going to do with these Gentiles who believe?" Right. And now, two thousand years later, everything's <laughs> flip-flopped, and the Gentiles are saying, "What are we going to do with this Jewish guy, who believes?" Right. And so. I grew up not really even having an appreciation for this. In fact, Mm -hmm. even having some shame and some fear associated with my Jewishness. I remember I was bar mitzvahed when I was 13, Mm -hmm. um, and my parents gave me a Bible, and it had uh, the Star of David on it. Mm -hmm. And just feeling, when I finally went to a youth group at a Christian church because of a girl I was dating, uh, I I crossed, I tried to chip away at Uh. that Jewish star because it felt like in the community mm. that, that that was not something to be proud of, mm. and so now I've stepped into that and finding my voice even still yeah. as a teacher, um, to really kind of bring those two yeah. worlds together.
0: Well, I love I love that you're finding your voice, and still I I love the voice, I love the connection. I when we when I was in Israel with a with a group with the Joshua Wilderness Institute, GTI. Mm. Um, one of the places where I loved stopping was Dan. It was the northern border. Yeah. And um, and rather than talking about Dan, I just talked about the the Gentiles and how the Apostle Paul was on the road to Damascus right. where this Jewish guy, that he encounters the God of Israel outside of Israel, but how then the, as Gentiles, particularly me and, and everybody on that trip essentially, is really owes a debt of gratitude to these Jews who wrote the New Testament right? Right. (laughs) and bringing this idea that this is Jewish literature of the first century and to see it as Jewish literature and how does that then affect the way we read this as Jewish literature. Um, So how how has that been for you in terms of of helping to educate folks in that kind of a way?
1: Yeah, and even though I think I, I came from a Messianic perspective where we did learn the New Testament. There is a huge emphasis on the Old Testament. And so I think for a lot of Christians in the church, they're looking at the New Testament. And there's always been this division, right? The the Jews would say, uh, the the Old Testament is our book. Uh, That other book is not ours. And then uh, I think a lot of Christians, unfortunately, and I think it's changing, but a lot of Christians in the church will say, well, yeah, we love the New Testament. And there's a lot of stories in the Old, and we don't really see this bridge, this connection. And so I'm super like... I look at the scripture knowing that it was not written to us, but it was written for us. Mm-hmm. And when we can actually get an understanding of bringing these two together, yeah. uh, That it's powerful. As basic as something where Jesus stands on the boat on the Sea of Galilee and He says, Be still. He says, Shalom. Be still. And now we see Jesus who has power over nature. Mm. Well, if you connect that to God who has power over nature in the Old Testament, especially if you can do that from the Sea of Galilee on yeah. an Israel tour, it's like mind-blowing, right? <laughs> right. So it's, it's awesome. Um, but to make those connections with the old and new, yeah. the con- context of it is, is helpful.
0: Yeah, well, I was just in a class with, um, we were looking at Revelation 5, and, um, and this idea of the scroll that appears, and it's written on, has writing on the front and the back, and um, it's a scroll that's been sealed up and um you know in my tradition it's like oh well this scroll you just look at the scroll but the author of hebrews john is probably like hey think remember ezekiel that scroll that's written on the front and the back here you go and and he ate it and and the uh, and john's gonna eat it and if you think back to daniel where it was sealed up at the end like here we go. And this idea that sometimes the authors are actually making these bridges for us, right. and it's just up to us to be like, oh, there's an intertext there yeah. where he's calling to mind Ezekiel and Daniel, and we need to bring that in here when we're taking a look. And of course, Revelation's probably one of the, Pat, one of the books that does that the most, but, sure. but Paul's gonna do it in Galatians for sure. Yeah. So, one, um, of one of my favorite
1: spots would be John, um, and he's, he's talking about Jesus in the garden. And the mm-hmm. second that we say garden, he's trying to get the authors or the the, the readers, readers to be able to say, hey, let's think about another garden. And what mm-hmm. Jesus is doing is he's making right what went wrong in the original garden. And so that story comes full circle. Yeah. And and he has the it, what's called a remez. It's it's this throwing back to it's huh. it's something when I when I say uh, uh, even something like the Star Spangled Banner. You just say that first line. If I say "Our Father who art in heaven," right? You know how to fill that in. Well, the the readers of the day, I, I believe that they they see that word "garden" and Jesus is the gardener, mm-hmm. right? That shows up after right. the resurrection. Like, okay, they're making that. There's and there's it's so there's like three hundred plus. Remes in in the Bible, uh-huh. where there's these connecting points. Yeah, and that's what really gets me going.
0: It's, it's so good. Oh, I love it. I love it. We could probably geek out on that all day long. All day long. Um, But anyway, okay. But let's get let's get to um, to to Matt as a teacher um, okay. and uh, kind of your secret sauce. Now we were in your we were in your office and it's right by a playground. It is. Um, and so like twice a day, probably it just gets flooded with kids. And it's your week to preach, and you're going to be on on Sunday and uh, so what do you do like are you do you shut the blinds are you putting on headphones or are you like i'm out of here i'm going to starbucks and i'm putting earbuds mm-hmm. in like what what is what what are you doing with that or are you coming down here to the bomb shelter to, to hear the reverb
1: <laughs> yeah I, so I, I got my corner office but i didn't it, there's no ocean view it is like you know 300 kids on a playground. And so sometimes I do need to shut the blinds, but it is like living by the railroad tracks. Like uh-huh. there, I have I've been in that office for about 15 years now, yeah. uh, and I have just learned to tune some of it out. Sometimes I'll need to throw some like just music with no words, or yeah. I, I do have some like Bluetooth headphones, and so <laughs> I, I do need to have. For me, I don't want any people. Starbucks doesn't work for me. Okay, like, I need like just silence and just focus. Okay, is
0: that because you're kind of ADD, or you're going to see people, or? Uh, or just the you don't know, like the, the anonymity of the crowd is not something that yeah. that focuses you.
1: I think I'm looking at people and I'm wondering what their story is. I'm writing story <laughs> into their life, like wow, they should have showered today, or just something. It's not really pretty all the time, but nice. Yeah,
0: nice. Now, okay, so when in your office, you've got you've got great books. Um, is there any technology or when you're looking at you're spending your time in a passage? Whether to get ready for your teaching team meeting or whether you're just in the passage yourself, how are you looking at that? Is it um, yeah Bible software, or are you looking at, um, um, or are you looking at original languages? And and maybe we'll we'll back up and talk about training in just a second. But what are you using to access this kind of stuff? Uh, I,
1: I have multiple. I'll, I'll use like basically like Bible Gateway to look at multiple okay. translations. I want to read the passage several times, um, and then there's there are notes like I, anything. Like we just did the. The Galatian series, so like Tim Keller and T. Wright, like some of those basic like commentaries. I just want to see what other people are thinking. Uh, Constable, I don't know if you've ever seen Constable's notes. He's a prof at Dallas. Okay. So really, and he's taught everything, and all of his stuff is online for free. Okay. And so he just he has things outlined well, and I'll read anything, even if it's not aligned with what I think. I just I'm open to that. Uh, original language stuff. Um, It's fun because you could go through some of the original language classes and you can learn all the Hebrew and all that, but uh, there's some really great tools that make it very accessible. No doubt. Um, So, uh, the STEP Bible, put out by Tyndale, I'm not sure if you've heard of that, it's online you can literally just click on a word, and it will tell you the meaning every time it shows up. And so on the Hebrew side and the Greek. And okay. So that's just a really quick, easy go-to. For so me. no,
0: no Bible software for you. Uh, a I have lot Logos. Of, lo, okay, you have Logos, yeah. And,
1: and uh, so that—that's, I'll use that from time to time. Okay. But I, I feel like if I'm getting stuck, it's not my first go-to.
0: Okay. Okay. But you like the online, um, online free. I mean, that's, and that really is. Um, I mean, these are these are kind of resources that um, if people don't know about, definitely take a look. There's a lot of great free stuff as well as stuff you can pay for. Um, so, uh, fantastic stuff. When you um, so let's back up a little bit and talk just a little bit about where where you learned all this stuff. I mean, uh, where have you experienced or gone through training, uh, seminary, what or um, our Bible school? Where have you? Are you collecting degrees like Eric is, or are you um, otherwise? Yeah,
1: uh, Biola and Talbot grad. Okay, Um, so went through those uh, schools, Um, and honestly, I think uh, my my grad school seminary experience was life. I was already like married. We were having kids. I was doing tours to Israel full time. And you've been in ministry at that point for a long time. Yeah, like full-time ministry, and not, not even full-time ministry, but I was actually working Sundays, like, full-time here at Calvary, mm-hmm. and I was also part-time, uh, and messianic congregation so i was doing both so i was doing saturdays and sundays and so really for me seminary unfortunately like i don't think i, I have friends who lived on campus went to dallas seminary spent lots of time with their profs and yeah. i was a commuter student yeah and i just wanted to get it done sure um, so th- i don't feel like i pulled enough out of mm-hmm. seminary but i think thankfully too i'm i'm a self learner like i read a ton mm-hmm. and that that's the part for me that that's been my own education and I think when life comes down a bit, we'll, I'll, I'll look at going back. To, okay. But I want to be in a place where I can really receive from it.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, it is seminary is one thing. And there are certain, probably things that seminary is not going to prepare you for. Right. Um, and there are other ways that seminary is going to be a fantastic thing if you're engaged and you're ready to go. But ultimately, like you're saying, it's really the lifelong learner piece um, and staying engaged and finding tools. That are going to make you, that are going to help you along the way, and maybe it's um, taking a season to, to read. Or so, what what does how has professional development been for you? You you say you're reading a lot. You're a lifelong learner. Um, what does that look like for your own professional development along the way? So I, I'm
1: thinking about. I'm listening to other people who I respect. I'm reading some of their stuff, but really, like I like the footnotes. So if I'm really connecting with some kind of book, I want to know who are they reading, okay. and I want to take it that next level. So that, that for me is kind of, I, I'm always looking for something that I haven't heard. Okay. I, I can get very bored, very tired, very easily. <laughs> and so that's where I'm looking for who's that person reading.
0: Okay, okay. Um, okay, so let's talk a little bit about um, your teaching and your preparation. Whatever the, is the case with any teacher or preacher, there are things that you get excited about, about preparing, and there are things that, on the podcast, we talk about putting you in the fetal position, like the things that come naturally and the things that you're gonna maybe procrastinate on because you're not as good at, or you just don't want to do, or uh, you know somebody might have to tie you down in order to get it done. So what are so let's talk about what what excites you, what pumps you up about preaching, and then what are the things that um, are not so exciting about preaching for you? Yeah, I I think
1: the people if. Those who are listening to this right now, if they're anything like me, uh, it's a really difficult process. Um, what I love about it is, I, honestly, it's selfish. Like, I love the personal study. I love what's giving me life and what's informing my own faith. And when I make some of those connections, and unfortunately, like you're reading and you're prepping, like there's so much more on the cutting room floor that I could ever like, you know, I I love the tangents of like, what did these rabbis think of this, you know, Mm -hmm. 1500 years ago? Those are the things like, Wow, I, I never thought about it like that. And so, those are some of the things that I can spend hours, and I find tangents, and I'm thinking like, okay, that's going to be 20 seconds in the message because yeah. there's so much contextually you have to do.
0: I thought about the idea of um, starting a when I was when I was a teaching pastor um, of actually making another podcast called the cutting room floor of all the stuff that doesn't make it in that you just want to geek out about and but you can't do it it's 20 seconds but that 20 seconds is like at least a half hour conversation that's right so yeah i love that stuff so keep going that 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 stuff is awesome yeah so
1: i i love putting that together i love thinking through all of the different elements and and i have roots in like children and youth ministry so I also have this philosophy that the mind can't handle more than the seat can endure (laughs) and so I I know from my own I don't have ADD but I I do have like this like I have a need to make sure that I'm engaging I think adults need that just as much as kids do so uh, sometimes we front-load and like we're gonna have this really great opening intro and BAM and then we're just gonna bore them for the next 30 minutes and I can't do that like and and some of the self-talk when you're on stage of this is not going well, land,
0: <laughs> like find it, find it, like
1: stop talking. And
0: you just, Right. You I got to get these people. I got to get them back. Yes. I, you're like, Oh my gosh, this went longer than I thought. Yes. I got to get them back. Yes. The discipline of like, you know, this is just an intro. This is not your
1: passage. It's a really great story, but this is not the point of why mm-hmm. you're up here. Um, but I, I, I love the studying process for me. I love teaching. And I, I know the moment in the message where the light bulb is going to go off. Mm. And, and that's that's some of the fun of even like doing like the Israel tours and stuff that we've done is you just know those moments that like where it clicked for me and that is the turning point. That's mm-hmm. the one thing I want them to walk away with. And when we hit that and you've poured all of that toward that moment, yeah that's like,
0: oh, it's, it's perfect. So you are a teacher at heart in that sense of think, yeah. you want the light bulb to go off. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Okay. So what what don't you like yeah
1: that the fetal position is a really i've joked about it even from up front is like sunday morning i am in the fetal position on my couch just praying for the lord's return or that like somebody would just say matt you're off today don't worry about it you're done so it's it is it's a self-defeating process it is it is difficult and i i've only like just recently kind of put my head around this a little bit is when I was a kid, my parents would go away uh, for for like a, a dinner out or something. And I got to I got to be home by myself with my little brother, and I remember listening to Tony Campolo. My dad loved Tony Campolo, this master <laughs> speaker of a man, and I've watched him live, and his eyes just roll back behind his head, and he just is enveloped. And I would listen to cassette tapes that my dad had around the house when my parents were gone. Mm-hmm. Right? Some kids like sneak out in the cookie jar. I'm listening to Tony Campolo. I would play 30 seconds and I'd pause it and I would jump on the coffee table and I would try to say what Tony just said in the same way that Tony did. Huh. And so I have this picture and I think a lot of people do. I, I want it to come out a certain way. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then you're on the stage and there's something that gets pulled from your mind sometimes. Mm-hmm. it's like where am I at where am Mm. I going and so I say sometimes that longest walk is from the pulpit back to the front row where it's like you when you're kicking yourself sometimes and it's Mm -hmm. just that did not come out Mm -hmm. how I wanted to Mm -hmm. like there was something so good there and I missed and so I feel that weight sometimes that expectation for myself and I am my own like worst critic with that because you know you come down sometimes I think everybody
0: is their own worst critic it's hard Unless you're really bad, and then other people are your <laughs> worst <way. laughs> <That's right>. critics. <laughs> yeah, you learn like don't ask your wife anything. Yeah, it just it's it's hard. She'll tell you. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I think the other part for me, the pain point is uh, we do outlines that, and and there's a process because we have a lot of people here. But uh, outlines are due Wednesday at okay. noon, and that like deadline for me, yeah. uh, I missed my deadline yesterday, and <laughs> I was here till ten o'clock <laughs> last night just saying I know what I want to say. Uh-huh. I could just, just put me up there. I could say it right yeah. now, but to systematize it and, like, f- figure out what I actually want to put yeah. on the sheet that's going to be helpful, but I also think maybe only 10 people look at it. Yeah. Uh, what What's the use in some of that? So that, that's a little bit of a, that's a hard part for yeah, me.
0: Yeah. No, those are, I love the Sunday where you're, you stand up and you just say, hey, that outline on the back of your bulletin. Yeah. Like, just ignore that. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> It, it was a bad place. It was a bad, yeah. And you have f- to
0: commit to it on Wednesday for right. Sunday. Like
1: so much. Something can happen. happen right? Something
0: can happen between Wednesday and Sunday. And it usually does. Yeah. So, yeah, that is. Uh, so you. Um, what was the last message you preached? Well, you're working on one right now. But what was the last one you did before? Oh, boy. Um, uh,
1: what's the. You know, we did. um it's part of our succession oh, okay. plan and right. this, like passing on of the the torch. So I did Elijah to Elisha, okay, the, the and, and looking what does that look like, and basically got to walk through that that last part of uh, Elijah uh, taking the walk, going to see the prophets in these different cities. Mm-hmm. And I, I think that there's a conversation huh. taking place between Elijah and Elisha at each one of those places. They had a significant part of Israel's history there, mm-hmm. and I I just see you got to try to. What does it look like to put yourself in the story if I'm sitting on a rock and I'm watching Elijah and Elisha walk through from this city to from Gilgal to Jordan whatever those things are um, what's that conversation like and what are they talking about and so talked about that passing on the torch and then like how can we as a community as a church because we have we're multi-generational this is an 86 year old church and so we have we used to have I, I called it, we had a hip service, and I need a new hip service, where we have this beautiful, like multi-generational experience where the old people don't like the young, the young people don't really, and so like, but we wanna be different. We wanna like really be a, a group of people that love each other well, and so what does that look like, and can our older generation pass on, and can our younger generation
0: listen? Wow, so. I'm hip, and I need a new hip. Not that, right? That that's pretty good. I'm gonna trademark that. I one mean, day. that's I don't know if that's gonna fly, but that's awesome. <laughs> I, that is <laughs> that's fantastic. Um, back to just as you're talking about Elijah and Elisha. Yeah. Back to intertexts. Um, uh, I love the Elijah Elisha story and John the Baptist and how that works out. That here they cross the Jordan River mm-hmm. and they go over, and Elijah goes up, and his mantle comes down, and Elisha has it and then you know a thousand years later or a few hundred years later here's this guy John the Baptist dressed like Elijah at the place where he went up yeah you know at oh, and that's the thing about the intertext so the, these you can't imagine that John the Baptist is not trying to bring that to mind right. when he's out there with this camel hair coat on right uh so, yeah, I think, and that's, and the gospel writers are seeing that, and that it's up to us to see those those kind of intertexts. So, ah, oh, that's fantastic. This is the most you want to like just run down to the audience and say, Do you understand what's happening? Yeah. It's so good. And that's, and I think the idea of trying to, like you said, how do I get that across? And if I walk from the pulpit back down to the front row and I haven't done that, you're like, Well, how can I do that? How, if I didn't do it just then, how is it going to happen? Yeah. So, ah, oh, but. So, so good. Well, let's, let's talk a little bit about your, um, uh, your Galatians, your Galatians message. Galatians 6 was where you were, um, this last little section of, of, uh, Galatians, which was probably this postscript written by Paul in his own hand. I mean, isn't this the passage where he says, yeah. see with what large letters, did you talk at all about like a monumentsi and, and scribes and how this is probably a change of handwriting, or was that something that, was cutting room floor, and yeah. I wish I could have talked, but I didn't get a chance. Right, and it,
1: it's, it's about knowing your audience too, right? Yeah. So we do have some folks here who have been here forever and they they would love to really dig deep in that, but yeah. I'm also trying to think through who is my audience. and right. Some people are, I, I think that's been one thing for me in the process and preparation. Part of what, you know, on the on the side of like, uh, the we want to be married, we don't want to be married um, part of my job where I get to do some counseling with mm-hmm. some like married couples I also have people who we want to be parents and we can't mm-hmm. um, and then we have kids and we don't want to be parents Right, so I'm getting that from all perspectives But really I, one of the more helpful parts for me uh, as as a teacher is to be able to Sit with who are those people that I'm, I'm counseling and so if I have a message that's brewing I'm. I'm also listening to these people's mm. stories because that's where they're at. Yeah, and they don't care.
0: They don't want to hear about an amanuensis. No, no. no. <laughs> what? Like,
1: give it to me right. straight. Like, I need something. And yeah. so, that that's the piece for me that like I have to stay connected to the mm. brokenness of the people. I I had a, I had a guy who came in uh, for a child dedication class. Who was still hungover from the night before, and yeah, he doesn't want to hear about what was happening with with Paul. Like he's and first century letter that. writing, yeah, right. And it's like, oh, this is fascinating to me, but that's not where he's at. And yeah. So there's a sacrifice. Yeah. For me, there, it's 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 the same as playing Pharaoh, Pharaoh, or Jesus loves me with preschoolers. Like there's a self-sacrificing piece that no, this is what they need more than what I need to tell them.
0: Yeah. Do you have a person in mind? when you are preparing or a group in mind, when you are preparing a message that you are thinking, is it about, is it the counseling appointment? Is it um, uh, the youth group? Like who, who is your model listener, I guess, when you're thinking about preparing your messages? It's honestly, it's everybody.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, And I, I realized even from like a teaching perspective, I could be on the platform and have a thousand people in the, in the seats and i would never make eye contact or see one person i can mm. see the crowd mm. but i never saw a person so i've been trying to work on even when i'm writing and i'm trying to like remember who these people are yeah. as i'm putting the message together cuz i want to know their faces i want to see who's been emailing me this week cuz all of the those are the people who are showing up on sunday yeah and so yeah that that's the piece for me i'm i'm trying to pay attention yeah. to more
0: so you want so you're going to focus more on the content yep. um and in that case in this in this passage, was there anything that kind of um, Galatians 6, 11 through eighteen? Was there anything in the passage that kind of surprised you? You know, there's so, sometimes there's such familiarity when we come to passages, but was there anything in there that like kind of jumped out and was like, oh gosh, I never, I never thought about it, or maybe even a way that God showed up in a particular way that um, you didn't expect. Right. Well, and
1: and Paul's trying to like get at the Judaizers and the, those who are saying like, hey, it's this outward action, like we, we want everyone circumcised. And and so I, like circumcision, like I mean, who doesn't love talking about circumcision, I know, right? When you have permission to talk about circumcision from up front, you just go for it, yep. right? But we we got to talk about, circumcision is a huge part of, of Jewish life, right? And so yeah. we circumcise, we have two boys, we have a girl, uh, but our, for our boys, uh, they did not get circumcised in the hospital. They got circumcised on the eighth day, eighth day. according to Jewish tradition. Yeah. So we got to tell the story and Gentiles get invited to weddings and funerals. Jews, we get invited to Bris Brit a It's we there's circumcision parties, right? And we have a huge deli tray that comes from Catella deli and it's fantastic. Um, but to be able to bring some of that Piece into it, or I talked about my own bar mitzvah story at the at the the last message with Elijah. So it is bringing that stuff in. Uh, the the kind of big eye opening piece for me was uh, it's in verse fourteen, Galatians six fourteen, where Paul is saying, but may it never be that I would boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. And when you look at the this idea of the word boasting, hmm. it's it's what are you what are you taking pride in? What are you putting your confidence in? Yeah. And then you look at that word throughout scripture and and there's these boasting things that take place where where and, and maybe the most obvious you hate to go to David and Goliath, mm-hmm. but Goliath is saying, "Hey, I'm going to boast, I'm going to tear you apart." This yeah. boasting was was one place and then David has this other I, his boast was in the Lord. Mm-hmm. And so what does that look like? Um, and, and what are we putting our boasts? Yeah, in?
0: you tied you tied that to a military that you talked about boasting in a military context. And I hadn't really thought about that in the sense that the idea of boasting is kind of this military analogy. Yeah. And um, how am I going to win? I'm going to beat you and I'm going to beat you. And I'm going to do it this way. Yeah. And um, and here is this idea of boasting in the cross. I'm going to beat you and I'm going to beat you with the cross. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's that, or with the power of the Lord, or yeah. I think you mentioned this, uh, not horses or chariots, right? but in the Lord. Yeah, Psalm 20. Yeah, yeah. so uh, that's a fantastic grab in there. I think that I think anything that brings the text back to life, yeah. I think is a, when I think of my own teaching, I think of this idea of, can I bring that surprise back? Yeah. Reading it with fresh eyes for the congregation. I think that that particular element for me, as I was listening, it brought it back alive. Like, oh, now I can think of, because it gave me then eyes to look at other passages as well. So that's a great find. Uh, where was there was there a place you found that, or was there a um, uh, a commentary, or just your own study, or uh... that one in particular was an interview
1: with Tim Keller, and okay. I don't even know where I found it. But you know, you get lost on these yeah, totally. tangents, and uh-huh. so I, I saw some YouTube interview with Tim yeah. Keller where he's talking about that, and I thought. Oh, that's brilliant! And yeah. then I then you start doing the word study, right? And you start backdating. You see where, it. Where's everywhere this is showing?
0: Oh, this is this is genius! This is everywhere. It's yeah. all over the place. Oh, that's great! That's yeah. that's good stuff. And um, in that, so whether it's this passage or another passage or just a time, I think one of the things that we, as teachers, um, hope, beyond all hope, is that God is going to show up. That God's going to do something mm-hmm. particular. Although. Oftentimes, when God does show up, there's this point of like pretty deep conviction during the week. Like, you're like, oh my gosh, I'm preaching on this, but how can I preach on this? That's right. um, so, has there been a time recently where you just you know that either God showed up in your prep or God showed up in your delivery, and it was pretty un, uh, unmistakable that God was doing something either in your own heart, your own life, or in the life of your people? Yeah.
1: I, you know, we, we have a friend in common. His name's Rob Lone. And one of the things that he said was that he came to a point in his life where he wanted to stop living on borrowed convictions and secondhand experiences. Hmm. That has always stuck with me. And hmm. so for me, I don't want to be the guy that teaches about a passage that I really haven't lived through. Um, that I, I need to feel the burden of this passage myself. I need to feel it for the people. And sometimes it's it's difficult when you get like a uh, like a Genesis, like the rape of Dina. like okay, that's not that's not personal for me, but how can I get myself to really have some compassion and sympathy for that? But I, I really want to be able to because I there there's a light bulb that went off for me a few years ago where my own life was falling apart, my marriage was falling apart and really like God, God brought me through this season of I, I was going to speak on, Paul's intellectual approach to evangelism from Acts 17, Mars Hill. And and I was just like this super, like, I'm gonna be heady and blow you away with all I know. And like, he leveled me. And and I went through this process of, this needs to be different. And so I've really always focused on, like half of my preaching is, is the hermeneutics, it's the Bible content, it's just knowing everything about the passage. And then the other part is just good communication skills, mm-hmm. pace, dynamics, all that. And then I, what I realized in that season, though, was I was missing this in-between place mm. of really sitting with the passage and asking God, what is it that you want me to say mm. to these people? And to really, like, prayerfully, like, I know we talk about it, like, as so I prayed over this, but, like, to really prayerfully sit with the passage and say, God, where are you taking mm. this? And when I finally got that, and I actually explained that process that I was going through with the people when I preached that Um I don't ever listen to my messages because afterwards, like online, because it's just painful. Mm-hmm. But there was one time, and I remember like Andrea Bocelli, the singer. Uh, I heard that every time he does a concert, right when he's done, he goes backstage and he listens to it for a couple hours huh. and he scrutinizes. And I can't do that because I'll kill myself, it'll just be <laughs> bad. But I listened to one time after I did that, it had this like revelation for myself. And that was the first time for me that like I felt like God saying, that's what I want you to be doing. Mm. And that for me was a game changer. So Mm -hmm. I have to, yes, like good communication skills, good hermeneutics and message technique, all that. But the spiritual aspect, the spirit has to be there.
0: So it's gotta, and so this idea of bringing it through, it's gotta come through my life, my heart, if it's gonna come at all. Absolutely. Um, Yeah, oh gosh, I mean, and that sometimes is the hardest thing to do um, when you are just completely vulnerable. Like you're standing up there in front of everybody and you could fake it, or you could be real authentic. Yeah. And um, uh, yeah, those are crossroads that we have to deal with when yeah. we stand there. So Matt, it has been awesome to, to catch up and yeah. to, uh, to hear about your process. I love this, new, this next season at Calvary. Uh, it just seems like it is a, um, a, a time of blessing for the church. And obviously the, the, the leadership of Dave has been fantastic through the last 20 years, but I just think about what's going to happen in these next 20, 30 years uh, and just am so encouraged about what's going on here. So thanks so much for being part of the podcast. My pleasure. Thank you. Hey, hope you enjoyed that conversation with Matt. Uh, We were in the bomb shelter Uh, and the reverb in that one, you could hear it. Anyhow, um, hey, if you're enjoying The Teaching Pastor, there's a couple of things that you can do. Um, Go to iTunes, uh, leave a review. Uh, hit, the, hit the stars. Give us five stars. Uh, I'm not afraid to ask. Um, also, if you want to hear a message from Matt, uh, you can go to calvarylife.org, and you can search uh, through a drop-down menu uh, for his name, and there will be a number of sermons that will come up. Or if there are any links um, that you are interested in finding that we talked about in the episode Um, You can look in the show notes, and there should be some links there, particularly to Biola University uh, and Talbot School of Theology, where Matt received his training. Anyhow, I hope you're having as much fun listening as I am having doing these. It has been great to connect with friends and people who are uh, crafting messages and doing the hard work. So I hope you're encouraged out there. I hope you're being inspired in some kind of way to do that hard work. Uh, It is great. The payoff is great. And I'd love to hear from you. Uh, Hit me up at theteachingpastor at gmail.com if you have a comment or a suggestion, uh, but love to hear from you. Anyhow, we'll catch you next time on The Teaching Pastor.